Welcome to the Holistic Work Podcast. I'm Flip Brown, your host and founder of Business Culture Consultants. The mission of this podcast is to bring together individuals who want work to work well, who strive for a balanced and resilient lifestyle, and who have a commitment to social, economic, climate, and racial justice. Feel free to check out the whole series, along with other resources, at businesscultureconsultants.com. Thanks for finding your way here. In this episode, the mind thinks and the body feels. When I heard someone say that the other day, it really struck me, first of all, because it seemed so obvious, but on the other hand, I realized that, no, actually, it hasn't been that obvious in my experience. Part of that, I think, is growing up in a culture and a school system that said intellectual intelligence was what really mattered, and learning things, facts, stuff, boring, uh, was the key to success. We got virtually no coaching or training in terms of what we now call emotional intelligence. And for many years, into my 20s and 30s, I didn't really have a functional concept of how to separate my thoughts and feelings or what this concept of emotional intelligence was because it wasn't really talked about in terms of a conceptual framework back then. At this point, I realized that I need to have a practice, meaning I need to work on a continuous basis, to really get a sense of, am I thinking or am I feeling? Are my thoughts influencing how I feel? Are my feelings influencing how I think? And to the best of my ability, to try to get some clarity around what's going on. And so this simple phrase, the mind thinks, the body feels, to me is a very valuable tool because if I pay attention to my body, I can pay attention to my feelings because I don't think my feelings. I feel my feelings and feeling occurs in the body, not the brain. You know, you can touch your head all you want, but you can't touch your brain. And so learning that a tightness in my throat or feeling like I can't breathe easily or butterflies in my stomach or just that kind of like nervous tingling in my extremities, these are all clues that there's something going on and it's called feelings. We know that when we feel fear, our body responds. And uh, hopefully, all of you listening have had the experience of passionate love that your body also responds and feels the delight of loving and being loved. You can't think your way in and out of love. So, on the other hand, there are times when my emotional reactivity obscures my ability to think clearly. The writer and researcher Daniel Goleman, I think he either reported or coined the phrase amygdala hijacking, and that's when our emotions are activated in the lower, what's called the reptilian part of our brain, 
because it's an old structure that virtually all animals have where that's where the reactions happen. And as an example, when I was a kid growing up in Michigan, we had these beautiful snakes called blue racers. They were dark blue on the top and sort of shading into turquoise with a white belly. And I would catch snakes. Uh, I would sneak up and if I put my thumb and finger right behind its head, sometimes, not always, of course, I could catch a snake. And then I would bring it home and, you know, put it in a box with leaves and I could keep it overnight, but then I had to let it go. So I have no real fear of snakes, but I can guarantee you if I'm out hiking and my foot goes over a log and there's a snake on the other side, I will automatically recoil. I don't have to think about whether or not it's a stick or a snake. There's no electrical or biochemical energy in what's called the prefrontal cortex of my brain, the thinking part. So if I'm really pissed off, if I feel like I'm getting the bureaucratic runaround when I'm talking to customer service, then I'm at risk for that part of my brain and my emotions to basically make me into an ugly dude. And it happens. There's a balancing between thinking and feeling, between awareness of mind and body, and cultivating this as a practice and a skill can really help us in the business environment. Just like there are times when our passions get activated and we find ourselves in that place of negative reactivity, we can also be in the situation of not having sufficient reactivity. In other words, we may experience uh, someone being discriminated against. Maybe we're in a staff meeting and a person with less power is shut down or marginalized and we have no reaction to that. Then we're stifling our feelings about that particular injustice. The body sometimes feels and we can access that in a helpful way. Sometimes there's a reaction that we need to be aware of so that we can have choices in the moment. And there's other times when our non-reactivity is a defensive mode. In terms of the thinking function, it's fascinating to me how we can think our way into a mess. There are times when our thinking actually creates more problems than it solves. And we have names for this, denial, delusion, cognitive dissonance. If information were sufficient for every human being to act rationally, there would not be a single cigarette smoker left. Because these days you cannot smoke tobacco without knowing that it has a proven harmful effect to your health. Now, I also understand that nicotine is a very addictive substance. For some people, it's harder to quit nicotine than heroin, the research shows. But we often create rationalizations that then justify our actions. And one of the great tools that 
I forget, and then I remember again, and then I forget, is what we call the ladder of inference. And what happens is we have an experience, and based on that experience, we make certain assumptions. Then, based on those assumptions, we draw conclusions, and those conclusions then lead us to certain actions. However, if our assumptions or conclusions were based on faulty uh, information or logic, the actions we take can really be unhelpful, inappropriate, or even dangerous. And I think about the classic uh, example of someone is circling the mall. Not that people circle malls that much anymore, but anyway, this person is looking for a parking space because they have to go in and pick up uh, a special outfit for a special event. And the store closes at 6 o'clock. It's 545 no parking spaces uh, seem to be close to the door, but finally one appears. So the person turns on their signal. They're getting ready to pull into the space. And at the last second, another car screeches in and there's almost a collision, but the space is stolen. And the first person is just really pissed off, so angry that they slam the car into park, they get out, they are ready to give this other driver a piece of their mind and uh, really let them know how angry they are. But then the other person gets out of the car and puts their hands up and says, I am so sorry, I just got a call from my partner. She's in the store, this is our first child, her water just broke. Uh, she wants me to take her to the hospital instead of calling the ambulance, and I'm sorry, I have to go. Well, now the first driver has a completely different outlook on the situation because now their assumptions about that experience and the conclusions based on those assumptions have now radically shifted. So we do this all the time. We get certain information and we justify all kinds of things based on that without being curious or without being aware that we may be using that information to create an inaccurate outcome. So critical thinking is not being critical of others. It's examining the processes that we use in our logical, rational thought process to see if there might be places where we're making assumptions, where we're in denial about something, whether we're rationalizing something. And one interesting tool, one useful tool, is to do the body check. Is my feeling state in alignment with my thinking state? Oftentimes, when there's that discord, then if we can tune into that awareness, uh, we can actually get a better outcome. And I'm thinking about the example of, for myself, of online shopping. Sometimes I'm looking for guitar parts or um, other objects of desire, I, I, I'll say. And it's just so easy to click and buy, and then the thing arrives and you're like, wait a minute, did I really need this? Not to mention 
the environmental impact of the shipping, the box, the packing materials, etc. So I'm working to implement the 24-hour rule. If I really want to buy something online, I can do my research, I can select it, I can park it so that I have a chance to see if my mind and my body are aligned. So in the workplace, it sometimes is challenging to hit that pause button to be able to see, okay, is this a feeling? Is this a thought? Are they in alignment? How do I want to act on this or not? This is why this term mindfulness, although it's certainly been overused, and it means a whole lot of things to a whole lot of different people. The essence is that we have awareness in the moment. And if we have awareness in the moment, ideally, we will be able to know what's going on in our mind, heart, body, and soul. So I hope you will practice checking in with this concept of the mind thinks and the body feels and have a more holistic and helpful experience. Thanks for listening. This concludes another episode of the Holistic Work podcast series. If you're interested in this and other archived podcasts, they are available wherever you get your podcasts or at businesscultureconsultants.com. You're also welcome to email me at flip.brown at icloud.com. This has been a production of Business Culture Consultants at Star Farm Studios in Burlington, Vermont. And thanks for tuning in. I'm Flip Brown, and may your awesome potential continue to unfold at work, in your life, and through your positive contributions to the world. Until the next time we cast another pod, be safe and strong.